Amen. God bless you. Please be seated. Shelly, thank you so much. You've led us real well today. Let me invite your attention to Luke chapter 2 as our children are dis- to, dismissed to children's worship. In, in Luke chapter 2, we've got a supernatural act of God. Uh, there is no way to approach this text. There is no way to understand it uh, without believing that God intervenes into human life with miraculous action. Of course, it comes as no surprise to those who read the Bible and trust the Bible. God begins the entire Bible with a miracle uh, with uh, Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He um, begins the New Testament with a miracle, the virgin birth of Christ. And he will end the entire Bible with the second coming of Christ, another spectacular miracle. God places these miracles in front of us, presses them upon us, doesn't apologize. He's not bashful about them. He's not ashamed of them. Uh, they, They don't embarrass him. He places them up front and calls the whole earth to come to him to repent and to trust him on the basis of the miracle. Now, we've got one of those in Luke chapter 2 where God does a tremendous work that is the hope of all the world. Begin reading with me in verse 1 of Luke chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to a city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house in the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Here you find the work of God that becomes a model for how God works with us and works in our world today. And there's several ways to describe this work of God. One is it's a hidden work. It is a hidden work. If anything was going to happen that was great from God, it would have happened in Rome with Caesar Augustus, many might assume. But that is not the case at all. God's hidden work was uh, really pressed upon me a number of years ago when I was in England on a Christian history tour there. Uh, We went to three cities that were just 10 miles apart from one another, and they are three of the most influential cities in the history of the Christian church. Um, One of them only is significant because of what happened there in the late 1600s, in the late 17th century. And then Moulton was another one of the cities about 10 miles away that became significant because of what happened in the late 1700s or the late 18th century. And then Bedford. Uh, was because of the what happened there in the late uh, 1600s, the late 17th century. Uh, we first went to Malton, where I had the opportunity to preach in a church there. It happened to be the church that William Carey pastored, and from there, in that little village in Malton, he launched the modern missionary movement. The modern missionary movement began in that little village in Malton with William Carey, who was just a part-time preacher who repaired shoes, Uh, during the week and preached on Sundays. We went 10 miles further to Olney. 
And we happened to go to a particular cathedral where John Newton wrote the song Amazing Grace, which is the most popular song in the history of the English language. And then we went about 10 miles further uh, to Bedford, where uh, John Bunyan wrote the work that is read more in the English language than any other book other than the Bible, Pilgrim's Progress. Everyone needs to sing Amazing Grace. Everyone needs to read uh, Pilgrim's Progress, and everyone should support the missionary movement. But for centuries now, those three cities and what came of them have defined much of Christianity. Much of it is shaped because of those three little villages. These are the last places you would expect God to do a work. There's not even a direct road from London to any of these three cities. Ladies and gentlemen, that's oftentimes how God works, and that's what takes place here in the text. You've got the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, initiating a work, and all the centers of power are focused on Caesar Augustus and his census because from that census, he would issue military conscription uh, for folks to serve in the military. He would also determine tax rates on the basis of this census. So the whole world is paying attention to that. But do you know, if it had not been for what happened from Nazareth into Bethlehem, you would have never heard about it. It was over and done with, and the only reason you know about the decree and the census of Caesar Augustus is because it's not Caesar that controls and shapes history. It's peasants like Mary and Joseph who trust and obey God. That's what happened here in the text. And that is how God works in our world today. It's not always the Washingtons, and it's not always the Londons, and it's not always the cities of Paris and the great centers of power like that. It's not always those with the power and with the uh, resources and the capital to make things happen that shape history. Most of these people you never, ever hear about. Those that are in charge of history, the real aristocracy of the world are those who will trust and obey God. So listen to me. When the news out of Washington is not all that encouraging, when the news out of London and Paris and even Atlanta does not inspire you, hold on a minute. God may be doing something through some simple believers who obey God and live in places like Statham and Jefferson and Danielsville and even Bogart and Athens, Georgia. That's where God gets his work done. And those are the people that God uses, those who will trust and obey. Oftentimes God's work is a hidden work. But there's a second way to describe it. Not only a hidden work, but um, an incredible work. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. You know something about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 has got to be about the most humiliating verse in the Bible. Have you ever thought about that? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Well, that's reasonable enough, but then the next part. Lean not on your own understanding. That means apart from God, none of the thoughts or concepts circulating in the gray matter between our ears is really worth much. I don't think I've ever been so humiliated in all my life. Those degrees... 
those thoughts, those opinions, those ruminations. Do not lean on a single one of them because God oftentimes works in ways that are contrary to what we anticipate, what we expect, and the concepts we already believe. Now, he never violates his word. Oh, no. Not saying that at all. But God works in surprising ways. Uh, uh, He he, uh, engages in hidden works. He engages in incredible works, ways that are almost unbelievable. And that's what he does in verses 6 and 7. Look here. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. In other words, this government action in Rome moves Mary and Joseph from Nazareth to the city of Bethlehem where Micah prophesied the Messiah was born. Mary and Joseph didn't even live there. They are out on a trip and Mary goes into labor away from home. All because Caesar Augustus engaged in this uh, action of taking a census of his kingdom. In verse 7, she brought forth her firstborn son. That's what she did. The most powerful forces in the world are not those with the uh, levers of uh, the political machine at their disposal. It's not those with great capital. The most powerful forces in all the world are babies. When God wanted to get something done, he sent a baby. Well, he did that with Abraham, the child of promise. He wants to move forward in building the nation of Israel. So who does he send? Isaac. He wants to deliver Israel out of Egypt. So who does he send? The baby Moses and the bulrushes. He wants to liberate Israel from the Philistines. So who does he send? The baby Samson. He, he wants to prepare the way of the Lord. So who does he send? Baby John the Baptist. And then to change the world and save the world, he sends a baby, Jesus Christ. May I admit to you, I would never think of sending a baby to overthrow evil. I'd send a baby to gurgle some and to put big fat wet kisses on my cheek or something like that. Uh, You know, to pose in a picture and look cute. That's what babies in our world are good for. But in God's economy, how God operates, he changes the world through babies. Listen to me. Oh, listen carefully. When God does a great work, it will always require you to trust Him, even to the extent of believing He can change the world through babies. You never move forward with God without faith. You never move forward with God without a deepening trust. You never move forward with God without trusting in the Lord with all your heart and refusing to lean upon your own understanding. Any way, Anytime we want to move forward with God, we're going to have to trust Him in a new way, in a way that is incredible, a way that is, at first glance, unbelievable. If we want our sins canceled before God, we've got to come by faith. We can't come by our own virtue. We can't come by a sense of entitlement. We cannot come with a sense of performance as if we deserve. We've got to come humbled, brokenhearted, ashamed of ourselves, trusting the death and resurrection of Christ. If we want to be used by God after that experience, we've got to walk with Him by faith. There is no way to move forward with God except to trust Him, and in this case, to trust Him to the extent that we believe He can change the world, history, and eternity through the birth of just one child. Hidden work. 
Incredible work. But there's a third way to describe this work as well, and that is it's a costly work. It's a costly work. Howard Hendricks said, service that counts is service that costs. Nothing, nothing worthy of God has ever been accomplished without some kind of sacrifice. You think for just a moment what it cost Mary and Joseph. I mean, think about Mary's reputation. Joseph nearly put her away. Do you realize in Matthew 1, Joseph didn't buy the story of the virgin conception. Joseph didn't believe her. He almost ended the relationship. Now you can imagine what Joseph's sisters were thinking. You can imagine the ugly things that they were saying about Mary. You can imagine what Joseph's parents were saying about Mary. And you can imagine how unbelievable it was to them when Joseph changed his mind. You can just imagine. And then what, what, about, uh, what about Mary's family? I, I, it's, it, this is an interpretation from silence, and you've got to be real careful with this. But I, I must admit, it stuns me that Jesus' grandparents and aunts and uncles never show up on the pages of the Bible. Now, Elizabeth is a relative. don't know exactly how she was related, but she was a relative. But other than Elizabeth... Jesus' grandparents and other family members never show up on the pages of the Bible. Man, if I believe Jesus is born of a virgin, I'd jump in the middle of them all. I'd want to be on the pages of the Bible. Think of the cost to Mary. Think of the cost that she and Joseph suffered whenever Jesus was born in the humble circumstances where he was born. If we were to send the Messiah, if someone else was, they would want him to be born in a palace. Instead, he was born in a peasant's home. We would uh, place him in a royal crib. He was placed in the feeding trough. That's what a manger was. We'd want him to be wrapped in silken robes. He was just wrapped in cloth, swaddled, swaddled in clothing, in strips of uh, linen. And then we would want the atmosphere there at the birth to be filled with perfume and spices. Instead, when Jesus was born, the place was filled with the smells of a stable and a barn. Think of the cost of Mary. And then I want you to think for a moment about the cost to Jesus. Before Bethlehem, Jesus existed in eternity past. He had a life before Bethlehem. In fact, he had an eternity. He is God. He is spirit. Nothing physical can touch him prior to Bethlehem. He doesn't know pain. He doesn't know agony. He doesn't know suffering. He doesn't know crown of thorns. He doesn't know spear on the side. He doesn't know nails in his hands and his feet. He knows nothing of that. And yet, he's born in Bethlehem with the full intention of experiencing them all. He decided he would come and he would experience the crown of thorns on his brow. He decided that he would experience the cat of nine tails lacerating the flesh of his back. He came intentionally uh, intending to experience the nails in his hands and feet. He came fully intending to experience the spear in his side. He intentionally took on a human body. Now as God, he couldn't suffer as a man he could. Only God can say, but God cannot die and rise again, which were necessary for the salvation of the world. So the solution to that is God comes in human flesh. God takes on human flesh in Bethlehem because only God can save, but only humanity can die and rise again. Therefore, the God-man in Bethlehem. 
That's the cost of Jesus Christ. He did something God had never done before. And while his spirit was alive at Calvary, his body died. We needed a Calvary, so God gave us a Bethlehem. That's why Bethlehem happens. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the experience of Almighty God. That is the cost he endured at Bethlehem. And there you have from Luke chapter 2 an understanding of the great act of God of sending the Savior of the world. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for the good news of the Word. Oh, bless you for how you work. It's stunning to us. It's remarkable, but it sure is encouraging. Lord, we praise you for your hidden work, and we pray for more discernment, and we pray for more faith to trust you even when your work is hidden. Help us to be the kind of people who can believe it, even though it may not happen as we anticipate. Help us to trust you with all our hearts and lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge you. God, would you make it so and make it real. Help us to deepen our faith and our walk with you, O God. Help us to trust you every moment. Help us to discern when you are active in our midst. And then, Father, I pray that you'd help us to pay the cost and pay the price of being used by you. God, I pray from the midst of this congregation, you would raise up more Mary and Joseph's. I pray that you'd raise them up and make them mighty in your mission in the world. I pray that a lack of faith or a lack of holiness, a lack of trust, a lack of obedience would not be named among us, but instead we'd be a people like Mary and Joseph who can be used by you to do a new thing, a saving thing, a redeeming thing in this world through our life and ministry, service, sacrifice, our giving, every area of our lives. Holy God, would you make it so. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This morning, we want to observe the Lord's Supper and honor God in it all. If you know Christ as Savior, if you've been baptized, if you are in good standing with the local church, you're right with God, you're right with this people, we invite you to this table. Our deacons are going to help us serve, uh, and Shelly's going to lead us in singing as we do. Let me ask our deacons to stand and come help us and serve, all right? Well 
to carry our cross Emmanuel here with us now all is well hope has come Jesus promised one separate your cups we'll observe the uh, bread first on that evening when Jesus first served the first Lord's Supper he took the bread and he gave thanks for it and he broke it and said take and eat this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me let's pray together Father God thank you in Jesus name for the body of Christ thank you for the brow that could take the thorns and thank you for the hands and feet